Angie's list is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Space Cowboys and Cowgirls, how y'all doing tonight? <laughs> Welcome to this very special episode of the AFA podcast, the official podcast for animationforadults.com. My name is Rachel and joining me today as usual is my co-host Chris. Howdy, Space Cowgirl. Hey. And to returning for this episode, we have Nina. Hey there. Hey there. <laughs> Looking for some bounties. <laughs> Oh, yes. Always. All the good stuff. The, all them moolongs. Um, if you haven't noticed by our use of jargon, we are going to be discussing for our Halloween episode moolong, um, a very, something you wouldn't normally consider a Halloween flick or anything discussion. <laughs> it's quite tenuous, it, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. But we thought that because of the holidays lining up with a certain film of a certain uh, anime series that we're all very fond of, and quite a few, many people are also very fond of, we thought, it, and considering that also is having an anniversary this year, why don't we talk about Cowboy Bebop? That wonderful, wonderful anime that came out, oh my gosh, I'm trying to even remember when, like, exactly. 20 years ago. 20 years ago, 98. exactly 20 years ago, yeah, oh, 98, okay, gotcha, I'm trying to, oh my god. It, it, 98 in Japan, I think yeah. we got it, maybe, like. Okay, that's probably what's throwing me off right now, because, yeah. like, came out 98 in Japan, but I don't think we got it here in the, at least in the United States, uh, until a little while later. It didn't even air in, in its entirety in 1998 in Japan. No, it didn't. They had like, I don't know, 12 episodes, maybe. Because, yeah, that, it was 12. Some so. of those were not not <laughs> very conducive to the uh, U.S. daytime television. Well, they didn't air it in Japan, which tells you something. Oh, yeah. Originally in Japan, yeah, like how they never were able to air the original show. That's how they actually advertised the, the, the home video was like, you can now actually watch Cowboy Bebop as originally <laughs> intended by uh, buying the home video because there was a lot of stuff even in Japan that did not cross the censors. Like the first episode with the drugs. You're not oh, allowed yeah, to the on Asteroid TV. Blues. Yeah. It was, it was in, I think in the mid-90s, I think Japan got a bit stricter with stuff after, I think there was like one scene in Evangelion that went out at half past seven at night and it was not appropriate and there was lots of uproar 
and appropriate for ages of audience and for that (laughs) from that point onwards japan got a bit stricter with stuff and that was the fallout of that so they went uh no you can't do that one that one that one Uh, 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 that one's got a little dog in it that's all right yeah Yeah. so like yeah we like the welsh corgi (laughs) but then again yeah rachel you're right there were episodes that were never aired in the u.s after like maybe the first time um, mm-hmm. uh, 9-11 so oh yeah I'm sure but yeah so here we are we're gonna um, as usual when we have like a deep dive into a particular subject we're not going to cover any news or we're not going to um, break the conversation to talk about any all the cool stuff but we will save that for another episode um, we want to really just kind of because there's a lot to this series so we're just going to go like I said a deep dive into um, our own experience with Cowboy Bebop, as well as, you know, stuff we like, stuff we're, you know, we want to talk about a little bit more that just maybe we didn't a full 100% get maybe on our first viewing or first couple viewings, because I know this is definitely one of those shows that you just have to just take apart layer, layer by layer. So, yeah, I guess we'll just start by, I'll, I'll pass the, the microphone on to, uh, how about you, Chris? We'll start with you. Um, when did you first... Uh, get an extra chance to watch Cowboy Bebop? Well, I guess I was trying to think about it because it's like one of those things like it's just I, it's so a part of my fabric now that it's like, when did I actually first watch it? Um, <laughs> and I guess it would have been, I guess I probably read about it in the anime magazines of the time, like that early, early noughties or mid, you know, the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was at a time when there was not a lot of anime coming out in the UK on DVD and I imported several things and I imported, I guess I imported the first volume because I, in the end I ended up like getting a, a bundle from Amazon US and I think my friends gave me money towards it for my birthday or something. Cause we were all into it. It was like, the, <laughs> it was like the bonding thing we were all watching at the same time. And it was, um, yeah. So I, saw it i thought this is the best thing ever and then i um i bought all the all the dvds as it was then back in the old days and um rewatched them and got very excited when when the movie came out i remember watching the trailer for the first time <laughs> so, you know so that was early early days it was like it was still quite advanced to be watching a video on the internet like ooh look at this <laughs> <laughs> look it's slowly streaming at 45 minutes <laughs> but it was so exciting the, the, that tra- first trailer was amazing you got the little you got the little new music and you got the got a close up of, of of Spike's foot tapping on the floor and uh, it, it was kind of like the intro to the movie pretty much and then and it had oh, an, ama- yes. an amazing tagline they're here to save the world but not for free that was so no good. not for free yeah, yeah yeah certainly not for free so no. what really jumped out at you when you watched like like what made you more, like we're so excited to rewatch it again oh it's it was just like the coolest bit it's i know it's cliche but it's just like it was the coolest <laughs> thing because it was just like everything everything cool like mm-hmm. in a blender and it was like yeah. um it was like okay so here's sort of film noir hard-boiled detective thing here's his western obviously there's a lot of western elements even though i'm even though i'm not much of a western person like <laughs> like proper traditional western i i do like western elements in things and i like 
like things that are you know i like firefly and stuff like that you know space westerns oh yeah um and the it's got everything it's got um it's got like 70s kung fu movies and uh black exploitation mm-hmm. and um uh just ba- 70s cop shows basically um it's all like american culture and also japanese stuff with the most amazing soundtrack ever oh um, yeah yoko kano mm-hmm. and yeah it's just it's all these cool things that ne- not shouldn't necessarily work together but everything <laughs> mixed together <laughs> and somehow it's just the best thing and mm-hmm. i was also thinking recently so the reason it's a good thing to go back to when you're older is it's an anime that's not about teenagers. Yes! Oh my yes. god, that just dawned on me. It's, it? not, it's not in a high school. It's 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 very different. Um, mm-hmm. Like it actually wasn't very popular in Japan at all when it first came out, partly because, you know, the story didn't make sense because they couldn't even air most of it. But even what they did air, a lot of people weren't, like, super into it. But when they mm-hmm. aired it in the U.S. and the U.K., that's when, like, people started really looking at this show and treating it for what it is because it was, like... Mm-hmm. because Part of that, I think, is because, you know, it's about adults with, like, adult problems. And, like, it is so Western. It has all these tropes in it, like how Chris was saying. Um, and it it doesn't feel very quote unquote Japanese, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It no, it does. Decidedly is, you know. It's a, you know, you can't deny that it was completely made in Japan, like one hundred percent. No, no, that, yeah. not at all. I mean, there's but, samurai swords and like, just, yeah. There's also a lot of you know philosophy too. But yeah, it's like a it's like a melting pot of like certain aspects of Japanese culture and then Western culture and a bunch of other stuff just kind of melted in and mixed together. Yeah, I, I, I had a a real realization when I was watching it early, early on was when I went when I realized it was in in, it was in the seventies, but it was in the twenty seventies or, or twenty no, or twenty one. Is it twenty seventies or twenty one seventies? It's the twenty seventy one. Yeah, so it's like, oh, that makes sense. This is a seventy show. This is a seventy <laughs> show in space, but it's yeah. it's it's just that seventies, not the one we know. <laughs> <laughs> The seventies for this for this millennia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even the fashions and the color palette and everything about it is—it's. I mean, you know, Spike's wearing a leisure suit for crying out <laughs> loud. You know, it's like with very like oval shaped shoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like but sometimes I'm wearing like Mickey Mouse shoes, but no, this not that that not that obnoxious. Yeah, they're the um the loop on the third shoes. Yes. Yeah, I, I have. That was a, another recent thing I discovered. Like, hey, these characters remind me of of Lupin the Third characters, and I, I kind of think there are similarities between like Spike, Spike and Lupin, and uh, Fujiko and uh, and uh, Faye, and maybe Jingen and uh, Jet. Yeah, that, that <laughs> and, that's fair. And then I did discover when I was doing background reading to come into the podcast. Um, it was actually an influence. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, you can't look at, like, Spike's lower half and not be like, oh, yeah, that's Lupin, 100%. <laughs> Another <laughs> anime about adults. 
rather than yes. high schoolers. Yes. Adults doing vaguely legal things. <laughs> and I also love Lupin. So oh, there you go. <laughs> what about you two? When did you first come across? I'll go for last. Nina, how about we go to you next? Okay. Um, it's kind of hard to tell because for as long as I've like been aware of anime, like Bebop has always stood as this like almost sacred thing that's always existed and like this, this defining seminal work that like you have to watch or it's like the most important anime ever or whatever. And like, it was always on TV. Like I always remember it being on TV and I would, I didn't like watch it super closely. I think I watched a little bit of it and I remember being kind of, I guess when I was really young, I was sort of put off by the grittiness of it. Like I mm-hmm. wanted something that was a little more bright yeah, more um, lighthearted and just kind of colorful. Yeah, and like I was kind of young too, so I was just sort of like, oh, okay. But I always knew about it. Like it was impossible to not know about it. And I actually think my first Cowboy Bebop thing I ever really engaged with was the manga, the Shooting Star. I had manga. To a volume of that, yeah. yeah. Tokyo yeah. Pop, I think. Because it was, unless you stood up to watch each episode on Adult Swim, which I couldn't because there was only one TV in my house and my dad used it. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't really a way I could watch it. So I was like, oh, there's a manga. Maybe I'll read the manga. And I, re- I checked it out of the library and I read it and I was very confused because <laughs> I had no idea who any of these characters were or how this world worked. And it was very, you know, like cop thing. And I was like, not very familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I got a little bit older and it was... You know, I learned about streaming online um, (laughs) and I was able to finally watch it. And by that point, I was sort of I had developed a taste for more mature kinds of content. And it was it was really amazing. Like it really it does feel like late night every time you watch it. Like you could be watching in the middle of the day and it feels like it's 1 a.m. in the morning. You know, like there's just something about it where it just has that vibe to it um and it was just so beautifully directed and the music is just so fantastically integrated with the story Mm -hmm. Uh, and it just it has this uh it it has this atmosphere that it creates like it has this energy that it emits that's just so like unique and and it puts you in a in a place and in a mood and in a time Mm -hmm. which used to exist but also doesn't exist because like 2070 isn't real mm-hmm. but it feels so real everything about it feels so grounded and real um technically they're in space but it doesn't feel fantastical or like wondrous it's kind of like heavy and it's like imagining the future if the future really wasn't that different from the present and that's yeah. sort of how things are treated. Like you're never like, there's never like this spectacle of like, oh my goodness, look at these spaceships, look at the technology. It's always, it's just people living their lives. And that's the thing that I like the most about the show is that it's, it's really about real people, not glamorous people, mm-hmm. just kind of doing their thing and trying to make life work and sometimes failing and sometimes succeeding. Yeah. And dealing and, and dealing with both the past and the future too, mm-hmm. and like not knowing what to do in the present, exactly. <laughs> like at all. <laughs> Trying to figure, you know, being aimless. What's for dinner? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, you can't even make small special dishes. bell peppers and beef. Just no beef because we can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it, it's 
And it really is. I mean, it deserves to be the seminal classic as it's, as it's treated because it, it, it really does live up to expectations. Cause I was kind of worried it wouldn't mm-hmm. as a kid. And then when I watched it, I was like, Oh no, I get it. But you do have to kind of be in this specific space and like to accept what they're presenting you. Because mm-hmm. if you want to expect a more like flashy, more anime world and you're not going to get that. No. Um, you kind of have to let it carry you how it carries you. And it's also episodic, which I know for some people they don't like, especially in anime. Like they want their anime to have this like grand overarching narrative and like they just find it tedious mm-hmm. or filler. <laughs> I, mean, I had a friend who was trying to tell me they didn't like this show because it was like all filler. And I was like, it's not. That's not how the that point. word means. <laughs> you don't understand what that word means. Um, that's. No, like this is the story. Um, it's yeah. just taking its time. Yeah, it, it does. It takes its time. It does. It's not a chaotic feeling show. It's like it feels very deliberate, like water, I guess. It, it yeah, really like does. water. <laughs> what about you? Um, yeah, I guess, again, I get in a similar vein, I really didn't have a chance to get into this series until the advent of streaming. Because, but it was the thing that you just heard about constantly when, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, with other people who were getting into anime at, you know, in the time, like at the advent of like Toonami block and those, ki- those kids or high schoolers and teens who did stay up as late as they could to see what was going on Adult Swim. It's like, oh, I saw this really cool show and check this out. And I knew that was never going to be me because I was, again, in a similar situation, only had one television in the house um, and also did not like staying up that late at all anyway, because I regretted it, you know, and then having to go to school the next day. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't until college that I had a chance to experience the first couple episodes. And it, again, it wasn't one of those things that hit me right away. It was just like, Oh, I really enjoyed that, but I wasn't in a rush to watch more and just kind of occasionally when, um, I forget when it was, uh, again, put online to, for me to, like, watch full episodes of it, that I was able to watch the entire show, and, um, you know, bit by bit, bit by bit, until I reached the end, just kind of taking my time with it, not consistently, like, marathoning it, but just bit by bit, Mm -hmm. and after I reached the end of the 26 episodes, I just kind of let it, you know, I had to contemplate quite a bit, because I think there were certain aspects of what the story was trying to tell me that I didn't pick up on right away, and I was trying to dissect it, you know, every time I would go back and think it was like, why, like, how, why did that, why did that episode or the finale play out like it did? Like, I'm not, cause I'm not sure I fully understood it at the time, hmm. but the more I kept coming back to it, the more I kept like rewatching the show and finding an opportunity to go back and look at new episodes, the more I like put the puzzle pieces together, what the show was really trying to tell me. And I think it was at that realization and the realization that I had watched this show five times through maybe I think even six times through counting this year um that I really like this show and I love these characters um I love the bonds they form with together even though they don't explicitly state it on screen saying that they're friends at the same time you it's something you look at them and they're you would you know that they that's how they see each other they 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 care about each other a lot in their own way and um how it is a bit of a tragedy in terms of how all these characters have their own shit that they're trying to deal with and that bad dealing with bad things that had happened to them in the past. And 
having to move on from those things instead of having to just, you know, going from bounty to bounty and staying in this like static state. But, um, yeah, and it's been an uh, opportunity for me, too, and I've the, and the personal affection I have for this show is the fact that it's, um, I've shared, I've attempted to share a lot of things with my family in terms of anime. My brother and I are the only real, like, big anime fans in the house, um, or my family. Um, but I've shared the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack with my mother. She is in love with it. <laughs> um, oh, that's and awesome. I have had a recent opportunity, I think it was earlier this year, uh, to watch the whole show. I got the Blu-ray copy of the DVD and I watched the whole show with my dad. And I've shared other things with him. Like I've shared Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z with him and um, one or two other shows, but I don't think any of them nearly had much of an impact on my dad as this one, as Cowboy Bebop did. He really, really liked it. And to a degree, I can I could uh, tell with some of the other shows he was kind of doing it to humor me. This was not humoring me. This he oh, really wow. got into, yeah, and they... he's still asking me to watch the movie. Oh, so that's awesome. <laughs> that, that was definitely a show that I know at least one person who like was like, oh, I don't like anime, but I like Cowboy Bebop. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's this gateway anime, like it's like a the like I've always. In like the anime community, they'll be talking like, oh, it's like it's the gateway anime. It's what you show everybody to get them to like anime. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, it depends on that particular person's tastes. But mm-hmm. it, it's like how we, I was saying before, like it doesn't, quote, feel like an anime. No, not at least oh. with the kind of cliche, like, idea of people, of what people think anime is. It yeah, doesn't it, fit into that. It's a bit like when people watch Akira and then they went, oh, I want to find stuff like this. And it, then they discovered there wasn't any other stuff quite yeah, like that. There was nothing else like it. It really isn't. There really wasn't anything like Bebop. And there still kind of isn't. I mean, other than other Watanabe shows, maybe. And things so by Watanabe, like um, Yoko... Um, um, I, the name is escaping me. Yoko Kano. Now, Yoko Kano's the... the, uh, the oh, no, like, sorry. I thought you were saying... Composer. Was it Samurai Shampoo? Wasn't that another one? Oh, yeah, that was his show. His second show, which definitely was like the next feeling. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of this uh, director. Oh, okay. That uh, female director who used to work with him, who's done some stuff. Like, she did Michiko and Hachin, which also has... Oh, that kind of yeah, yeah. Um, oh. Sayo Yamamoto. Yeah, Sayo that's... Yamamoto. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's very few people who kind of make shows like this or that are as diverse like this or where they have the same kind of attention to detail in mm-hmm. this way like on, on television um it, it's just it's very unique yeah and part of the reason i think that is at least something that you'll notice especially for people who who have watched the show and people who may be listening to this who aren't relatively familiar is that Basically, from what we, like, we've been kind of alluding to it before, is that almost in the episodic, slightly episodic nature of these episodes is that it's like the genre kind of slowly evolves or changes every episode. Like, um, say, the very first episode, Asteroid Blues, where we have this, you know, story of Spike and uh, Jet as we're introduced to them going after a bounty and um, getting pulled into the story of the person that they're trying to catch and um, his accomplice. And that had a rather bittersweet ending. I won't say outright what happens, but I'll say it was a very bittersweet ending. And then the very next episode, we have Stray Dog Strut, which is where we're introduced (laughs) to uh, 
the smartest uh, Welsh corgi alive, Ein. <laughs> the best. The best corgi. Um, the best member of the crew. <laughs> Underrated. Yes. Needing and more if, screen time. And if you're watching the original Japanese broadcast, that was the first episode. <laughs> like, which oh, that was the first episode in, in the original broadcast. So you're like, yeah, oh, this is a fun... And this is a fun caper show about chasing dogs. Yeah, no. like, that's not what this is. But it would it, if that was the first episode, as opposed to Asteroid Blues, you'd think that. Mm-hmm. You would think that, but it was because it was such a, a genre shift, or at least the tone. Maybe not genre shift. Maybe the tone was um, what was really changed because, well, the first episode was a little bit more somber, especially with the ending. This one was a little more ha 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 kind of. Look at that dog go running around and being chased by this, this criminal guy and then being chased by the bounty hunters and being chased by the scientists and just a little like crazy, crazy chase episode. And it's like that for every other one. Like it it just changes again and again. Mm -hmm. It's like those interstitials where it's like, we will create a new show that will go beyond the boundaries of genre and we will call it Cowboy Bebop. (laughs) You actually read the text like for the commercial break th- stuff, like it says really interesting things. Yeah, it's just something oh, about what, what? The, the work that will be a genre unto itself is called yeah. Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. <laughs> that's excellent. Um, but that's also, you know, we were talking about the music too, and it, the, the music also changes with each episode too, so that kind of fits the tone that the episode's trying to set in terms of like, we'll have funky jazz, we'll have kind of like this more operatic uh, orchestral theme. Um, And then of course, more of like a kind of eighties or nineties synth for like the, for a horror episode or just like, you know, somber acoustic guitar for like the um, uh, trumpet or trombone for um, like that, like we were just alluding to like the um, film noir or detective noir, like genre. And I love how seamlessly that those, the music and the, each episode blends together and Yoko Kano I think is a big reason for that oh yeah she's a genius it was funny I was watching the behind the scenes and I got to a part with Yoko Kano talking and then like my brother came in he's like oh is that like the voice actress for Faye and I was like no that's Yoko Kano because she doesn't look like this very like she she, she's this young woman like she looks like she could be like a voice actress or something like she's this very youthful lady but she's brilliant um, and like it, I thought it was kind of funny like she doesn't look as impressive as she is well apparently mm. apparently Ed's behavior is based on Yoko Kano are you serious which oh yeah is, I did read that which is kind of amazing because when I oh read that because I'm just imagining her sort of you know <laughs> crawling around the floor <laughs> oh my god yes she's a very funny names and like she's very fun in interviews like she's very like upbeat like I remember there was like it was like a panel or something in the U.S. where they were talking about the difference between Spike in the Japanese and Spike in the English and she was trying to explain it she was like in Japanese Spike is nice in English Spike is sexy <laughs> she's just the cutest thing ever um but she's very smart too <laughs> yeah um for anyone who doesn't know they she basically put together a a band specifically for, for musicians from all over the world to 
create the soundtrack specifically for the um for the show and it's um there's like albums worth of it there's so much of it and it's kind of the idea is that it's created in universe it's like this is the music that would be created in this in this world which is really cool <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the seatbelts yeah the seatbelts yeah they they also were they um what was what else i'm trying to think what other because it was they worked on music for this uh for cowboy people for sure was it Wolf's they were Rain? not involved yeah wolf's rain that's what i'm thinking the other the yeah other wolf's rain yeah, because the Cowboy Bebop team split, and half of them went to Wolf's Rain, the other half went to Shampoo. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's like, soundtrack, too. Get, get the whole group back together, and let's just let's make something new. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Wouldn't amazing. that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> oh, well. Uh, we have, at least we have Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> yeah, she and also Wolf- worked on that show, Kids on the Slope with Watanabe, which was also a very jazz-themed show. So mm-hmm. she, she was able to do more jazz later on, which was also very good. Yeah, she's very good at jazz. Um, I think there's, like, whole albums that she has out with that's just, like, her adaptations or at least just tracks of jazz music that, music that she's done. And it's, I, whenever I need to have something on in the car, whenever I'm driving somewhere, I normally put on, put on that music because it's just so smooth. Yeah. I think we should maybe start at the beginning with the first thing you see, which is, well, I think maybe there's a cold open, is there? But um, the best opening sequence and theme song in the world. Oh, yeah, this is where we would, yeah, we'll insert the, the song right here if we haven't already done it in the opening uh, opening sequence of this episode. But, um, yeah, that's that was the song I played for my mom when I wanted to tell her what Cowboy Bebop was. And then she's like, oh, my God, this is like, Music for like a, a seven like a seventies like cop show. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yes. You got it. Um, yeah. Tank is fantastic. It's such a great way to introduce the show, not just like to a, a new audience like tuning in, but like to anybody who has no idea what it is. You're just oh, just watch this, and then it, it if that doesn't hook you or make you curious, then I don't really know what will. And it's just this musical composition. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, not even, I mean, the visuals itself are really well put together and smooth and shows each of our characters. So you kind of have an idea of the familiar faces that you're going to see in the episodes. Um, but yeah, it is the music that hooks you. That's, that's, that's the real hook of what's, of that opening is, is Tank. Yeah, there's like only one other intro that I sort of think is on the same level. There was this um, anime oav called gunsmith cats in the 90s there was only like three episodes but it had a similar very cool like 70s cop show intro with jazz and that was really good as well but they're obviously influenced by the same thing so Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not saying that they that was and i can't quite remember i guess it was like 95 96 probably so it might have come out first but it was um they're obviously just influenced by the same thing i mean if you look at like the intro to archer for example that's mm-hmm. a similar sort of thing and the, the james bond kind of mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's part james bond part 70s cop show all thrown in yeah all with that that sci-fi flair to it and it just comes to this crazy crescendo like it's impossible to not be impressed by it i don't want to meet somebody who's not impressed by it I don't want to have to deal with them. <laughs> me, neither. me neither. It's just like 
It's like, you're not really alive. <laughs> yeah, honestly. saying this does a little bit off the air too it's just like there's a lot of it's it's hard to pin i i don't want to ask you guys the quite the cliche question what is your favorite episode because really when you get down to it like i've looked at all i've watched all of these again recently so i've it's really comes to a point where it's like everything blends together to a point and, and not to say that it's the episodes themselves aren't memorable they're actually very memorable it's just that you'll remember certain moments like sometimes even if a plot of an episode doesn't really stick out to you you'll definitely remember certain moments especially if they relate to a character um character arc or that you're fond of or um just a very just memorable scene in general in terms of what happens so i guess i wanted to ask you guys is there a particular moment or couple like collection of moments in the show that really like even like when you close your eyes can you still see it like, well, I'll direct that question to you, you first, Chris. Uh, well, I I would probably like pick episodes rather than specific moments because I I think okay, as gotcha. they are like whole. I I would say even though I like like the the uh, and I know it's one of the main thrusts of the show, the sort of film noir, um, hardball detective stuff. Those are sort of my least favorite parts of the show. A bit, I, I still mm-hmm. really like them, but they're not like my. I I prefer the sort of genre bending, really crazy episodes. Like I love I love the um, Toys in the Attic, which is like a oh Toys in the Attic is a great. It's yeah. like it's good good to talk about Halloween because it's basically they've it's alien basically. Um, but a very was, silly alien. It's a very <laughs> silly alien where no one actually dies. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Because um, you don't want to kill off any of the main characters, so it's just a um. But it's it's a great like homage homage to um homage, whatever you say um to alien and space horror and just horror in general and, and like haunted house things. Uh, Mushroom Samba I love because it's, it's, <laughs> because it's basically Ed Ed and Ayn going off on an adventure. Like there's a bit yes. there's a bit like that that really works in the movie as well. But it's just like Ed and Ayn's big adventure and. Um, <laughs> And also you get like this Django reference of this guy um, pulling a coffin rounds and stuff like that. It's, that's, a, that's a really good fun one. And, mm-hmm. and also the uh, the one with um, Spike's rival, Andy, is... Oh, the, the cowboy. The oh, cowboy yeah. Is just, yeah. So it I, sounds like, I was like my favourite episode is a really funny episode, which is... is I, 
I like them all. They're all good, but they're sort of like the ones that I remember most is the funny ones. I mean, the like the emotion, the more emotional ones and stuff are really good as well. But I mean, it's just the those ones stick out in my mind more, and I they're probably ones that I'd go back to more probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I um I love all those episodes definitely, but I guess I the ones that I remember the most are like these ones that feels like it's just a gut punch to my very being like um you know like the, the last episode of jupiter jazz or like, oh yeah which like that that whole story of gren like sometimes i'll just like randomly think about it like when i'm like doing whatever and i'm like just what an absolute tragedy that whole story of that man's life he, he uh, he was dealt a very rough hand his cardinal sin was trusting somebody or it was believing in a person who doesn't believe in anything Mm-hmm. And that would ruin his life, um, and it's just so sad. Or, um, God, um, speak like a child. Always. Oh God, that's me. that's one of mine. That's I definitely love one of that mine. one. I mean, it's also kind of a fun episode because they're like going through to find the tape or whatever the whole Betamax thing, and it's just kind of oh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> but then when we finally watch the tape, and like, there's just something so profound about that moment where they're all watching that tape and it was like they were I, re- I think it hit me when I was watching that my for like for the first time myself because I think that was that might have been the episode that really kind of like you said it was a gut punch of like oh this is this is this is heavy this is a good but the good kind of heavy mm-hmm. um that you felt like there was like a real like there was a real emotional moment here and I love the fact that when they do finally get the tape uh, both the tape and the thing to play the tape um <laughs> they all kind of sit down and watch the tape kind of like a family, which was really kind of just made me go, oh, like they think it's going to be like something fun. Like they have no idea. And then it's, it's like this home, this really intimate home video. Of Faye. Yeah. Of Faye. He doesn't even remember who she is. And it's just like, there's, it's such a powerful scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen it imitated in other things. Like I know like Steven Universe. Uh, oh yeah. Homage to that whole sequence and like it's just there's something about it like i know like Faye. Faye may not be my favorite character but a lot of Faye stuff tends to get to me i don't know why because like my other episode that i just cannot watch without crying is hard luck woman uh i cannot watch hard luck woman without crying (laughs) because between like because because then ed leaves and it's yeah she she takes i'm and she like says goodbye and like i can't do it like it's too much um especially since we've had all these fun episodes with ed we've had like mushroom samba and all these or even like what was there was a scene and i think in brain scratch where like ed was um dressed up as like a typical girl and like oh yes was pretending to be her dad and it was the funniest cutest thing ever yay (laughs) and he did not know what to do yeah and it's then you meet her actual father oh god it's yeah, well, everything you learn about Ed is like it's a lot. I mean, they're all heavy, like, but like especially with Ed because she's just this really happy, fun force that's like doesn't behave like anything that you would ever meet before, and then to learn that they come from this really awkward place. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they all they all have their tragedies. All these characters have their tragedies. And that's part of the thing. Um, so yeah, I guess the moments that do stand out to me are those pun- gut punches, but I do also really enjoy 
the funnier, lighthearted ones too, because it wouldn't be the same show if we didn't have like that balance of them just mm-hmm. like, you know, screwing around, not knowing <laughs> what to do. And then, then having these really heavy things just come out of nowhere. Um, so I guess those are some of the ones that stand out to me. Yeah. I think I, I agree with like, it, I have the combination of both the really funny, like it's, it's a, it's a weird mix of, for me, for uh, between the funny episodes and the, um, and the not so funny, the gut punch episodes, like love stray dog strut. I love the introduction we get for Ayn. Uh gateway yeah. shuffle is another uh, pretty silly one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like the whole, that that was a really good introduction for the whole like, complicated like history of the gates the interdimensional gates that they um they use to go to and from different planets and star systems and that's then like you you realize that over the course of the show they keep referring back to these things in a way and the fact that there's some heavy plot relevance and you find out that that's really not just to Faye in particular who we learn more about as the show goes on but even other characters like um in sympathy for the devil when we have um oh yeah this strange child serial killer (laughs) just like really plays a mean harp (laughs) yes he does um and what else yeah of course jamming with edward we're actually introduced to edward radical edward um and what else the toys in the attic um okay bohemian rhapsody is another big one for me because i like it was i guess it was one of the like combination of between silly and not so silly because I like the focus that it gives the whole group of the bebop working together to try and figure out what's going on with this chess master guy. And Ed is just having the best time playing this old man (laughs) in virtual chess. (laughs) Also, how, how great are all the episode titles? They're fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. That's Um, just like every element of the show. I just love, it's like they're on, you know, there aren't that many shows where we're like, oh, I really like the way that the way they name episodes or whatever as part of, you know, and every other element is good. <laughs> one I do episode... want to mention, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. You so, first, Cena. One episode that I forgot to mention I really like is uh, Pierre Le Fou. Oh my God, I was just about to bring that up. Which is also great for Halloween. It, it's like, it's such a like, it's so, it's like perfect. Like there isn't a second wasted and no. that whole episode and like every the, the atmosphere and the build up and the way that that scene is edited when you find like when when Ed finally hacks into the system to figure out who the heck this guy is and like we we see like you know his backstory and the way the music plays with it's like it's so good and so creepy scary. so yeah. creepy the good creepy and it's like just a one-off like they just introduce this character for this one episode they go they have a full-on batman episode and then it just ends and then that's it but it's like it's so powerful and at the end like you don't even know what to think no it's just like okay we're just gonna move on (laughs) it's like we wish we could pretend that that never happened but it's been so ingrained into our brains there's no way we can forget it so let's just move on (laughs) Yeah, like Spike's like, I don't want to hear it. I want to go home. <laughs> yeah, he he really went through the ringer in, in that particular episode. I think that's episode 20 in the whole show. So that's before we really hit the the um, the home runs with some of the harder hitting episodes later on at the end. But mm-hmm. I know that at least you have an idea that 
at least at that the end of that episode, Spike is just so tired. It's like, I don't care. I just killed this whatever I was just fighting. It's I I'm just tired. Can I take a nap? I'm tired. I'm losing blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it does show you that you know, like Spike is not invulnerable. <laughs> no. Because he'll make you think that he is with he how really easily he fi- how well he fights very well and also the fact that he just has a lot of fun. But there are those moments, especially when Vicious gets involved, that his kind of devil may care facade just kind of, you know, goes away. And, you know, it's like, oh, well, this is serious. And this his humanity serious. comes out because, you know, he's kind of living in this fantasy philosophy land where like nothing matters and time isn't real and blah 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 and it's obviously like a you know coping mechanism and so Mm -hmm. when it's always really I always love the episodes or the moments where somebody's able to bring out a humanity in Spike or like break him out of that default mode that he always this cool guy mode that he's always apathy he's apathetic yeah this apathetic time yeah, like he's I'm dreaming, like life's a dream. Row, row, row your boat. <laughs> and nothing's real, nothing matters. Blah. And that's how he can be like so cool and effortless and like every single Hollywood leading male character in like classic Hollywood all at once, you know. <laughs> he is, you know, point. he's like Humphrey Bogart, he's Jet Li, he's um um crap, names are escaping me. That's okay. I, I think I get the point. But you know what I mean, you know? Like, yes. every, everything he says sounds like a one-liner. Like, everything he says. Until you have these moments where he's either, like, scared for his life, or, like, somebody shows him something real that he mm-hmm. can't just, like, pretend is... He can't just, like... Like, even even stuff with, like, like Rocco. Like, mm-hmm. um, which one... Uh, which one was that one? That was, I think... Um, hold on. I gotta... Waltz for Venus. Yes. Yeah, because even, like, with Rocco, like, you know, he just makes this friend with this guy who's just, like, this very, almost kind of dorky guy who's like, oh, my God, you're so cool. You got to teach me how to do kung fu. I want to know how to beat people up. And, like, Spike's, instead of, like, being, like, put off, he's almost, like, he can't help but be, like, amused by this guy and his enthusiasm. And then he learns about his life and his, his family and all this stuff. And he 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 shows that vulnerability or that humanity that he's always trying to like stifle mm-hmm. with this persona that he's created and i always i always like those moments because sometimes spike is like sometimes i'm just like <laughs> get a life spike you know like <laughs> get fucking, a job get, get a, a job, job get a real life like get over it like do something like for crying out loud you know but and I so like I, you want to be like Jet and just kind of just like scold him like Spike. I kind of do. I kind of just want to shake him and be like, "Come on, so you got your heart broken. That happens all the time. You can move on. Your life isn't over." <laughs> uh, well, I'd like to believe even at the um, at the end of everything. Um, I won't exactly spoil what happens to Spike at the end because I know that's a, that's like the red the biggest red flag of spoilers for people who might be listening to this who have, haven't seen the entire show to the end yet. And if we want to do if we do want to talk about it, I'll throw up a little spoiler warning just for, but for the sake of discussion. I would like to think that by the end of everything, he realized he wasn't necessarily 
asleep that entire time. He wasn't necessarily dreaming when he was spending time with the Bebop crew, because I think that by the, because he, like you said, those little things that break into his humanity and those little moments that we get, especially um, in uh, when he puts the pinwheel, Ed's pinwheel on the bow of the ship. Oh, God, don't make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to die. I can't. Um, I cry every single time I see that freaking two-second clip, and I'm like, God damn it. God damn it, Spike. You do have Spike a heart. Fuck. <laughs> Pardon my language, but fuck. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Spike, I, I... why do you make me have emotions? any indication which um the film it, it takes place between like episode 22 or 23 or something like that i think it's before things start uh closing up with the show yeah and it has, the film has to take place before certain characters go off in a different direction basically yes yeah yes. and like the movie the movie sort of set up in this way where it kind of has this like i guess it's a spoiler but it's like was it a dream? <laughs> was it real? <laughs> what happened? Because the film is really about Spike more so than any other character. Like the other characters are yeah. there, but they don't really do as much as they do in the, the, the real core show where like episodes will focus usually on one character at a time. But the movie is really just about Spike and it kind of takes you through his whole character development in a way. So we start off with this really cool scene where they're in a um like a drugstore and oh. there's a fight scene and it's so cool such and, an intro oh it's the best and he's like wearing but he's like wearing headphones the whole time he's not taking it seriously and he's got this big smirk on his face you just want to punch it off but you can't because he's too good and he's like <laughs> needlessly cruel like he pours hot coffee on this dude's face after he already beats him up and like he doesn't care about the damage or anything he's just doing whatever and then as the movie goes on, he's confronted with this, like, the villain of that movie is basically an amalgam of, like, vicious, obviously. But it's also, it's he almost looks like a darkened, like, corrupted version of Spike. Of Spike, yeah. That was, I was thinking the exact same thing about that my last time watching this. I'm like, wow, he's more like Vincent's, more like Spike's dark, uh, apathetic, reflective mirror. Yeah, and it's, it's like his personal philosophy taken to the extreme of like life's a dream it's not real to this very violent very destructive isolating extreme where he's become an eco-terrorist um, yes basically and so they go through this whole thing and spike gets his ass handed to him by this guy and he 
like has this near death experience and like he has to evaluate what's important to him. Mm-hmm. And there's even like that moment where Jet is like, you know, this has gone real bad. Like we should just get out of here. Like I won't hold it against you if you just want to bail on this because I don't know what's going to happen. And it's yeah, like, it's really fucking scary. And it's really scary. And this is Jet who's like the whole movie especially, but even the show, he's like team dad, you know, he's the <laughs> responsible one. Like he's taking care of everybody. He, he used it ex cop. So he still does have this like sense of obligation to people. Mm-hmm. And he's the one saying that. And then spike who, if, if this was the spike that we met in the drugstore, it would be like, yeah, let's get the heck out of here. But after everything that happened, he's like, no, we have to do something. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't just let this guy run around. And it wasn't even about a bounty anymore. It was about, like, doing the right thing and putting a stop to this person and, like, putting a closing the door on this this sad story. And Spike is only able to win because he has to rely on his friends and this yep. plan. And even at the final fight scene, he's also losing. <laughs> he only <laughs> wins because of all these other people who come in. Um and at the very end of the movie, it feels like he's come to this greater conclusion of, like, that connection is necessary. Like, he he doesn't need to be isolated. Like, he needs to rely on others and to depend on others and to get meaning of life mm-hmm. from other people instead of just running away out of fear of being let down or betrayed or heartbroken. Yeah, or Julia, wasn't, Julia wasn't the only person who could give him meaning, mm-hmm. I guess, is the... Because I think that was the, one of the reasons why he became so apathetic. Because when uh, they weren't able to have the life together like he wanted, and he had, you know, he ended up getting away from the, his past. He basically just kind of, like you said, he developed this very apathetic persona of, "I'm just this cool lone wolf who's just nothing bothers because nothing bothers me, and I don't need anything else because I'm in a dream." When in reality. It's like over over time, the other people he's met and the people he spent time with have really have left a mark on him, and he realizes, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily dreaming. I didn't need, I didn't necessarily need to have, you know, or believe that I was in a dream. Right, but then the movie's like, are you living in the real world? Is this butterfly real? Was any of it real? <laughs> um, but you know, it's it all so it, philosophical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one of the things. I like about that movie is how much the city is a character. Oh, um, yes. Um, and how is the, the major set pieces of the film, there are those awesome action scenes, but I would say that the balancing of those action scenes are like the montages of just the city. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. you just get to feel what life is like this idea of like, Oh, the real world. What's the real world? Well, this is the real world. This is real people living doing their thing. There's the opening scene where you're just like people riding bikes and drinking water and sitting on the street, just talking, doing stuff. And then Ed goes on a little journey and she encounters <laughs> a lot of people and a lot of little set pieces. And then of course there's that amazing sequence where Spike goes to like little Morocco town and it's just, you know, and you would look at it and think, Oh, this is fluff. Like this isn't important. This is just like taking up space, but it, it is important because this is what they're trying to save at the end of the Mm -hmm. story. Like, it's not just like this anonymous town like this. We've got to see this town and these people and know that if it was lost, there would be, it would be horrible. Um, 
and it is real. Like Spike can try to pretend that he's not living in the real world, but the real world exists whether he wants to pretend he's there or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like the film. Actually, it's it's something that I've been thinking about. Like I, I think it's it's very well done. It was an amazing way to kind of cap off the series because they could play with all of the themes mm-hmm. and do some really amazing set pieces with their oh, amazing yeah. budget. Um, and then create something that like was like a a lovely bow to just sort of wrap everything up without it having to be too sad. Like the actual end of the show. Yeah. 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 And it also just takes place in Halloween for some reason, which I also enjoy. (laughs) I love when, I love when Ed's trick or treating and Ed and Ayn just gets a pumpkin stuck in his head and he's just like wandering around and he doesn't know what to do because he can't see because he has a pumpkin on his head. Poor Ayn, the un- like you said, the unsung hero of the Bebop. He really is. Have you know how many times Ayn saved their asses Too and they many. didn't know because they thought he was just a dog the whole time? Yeah, they just they, they still don't realize they have a super intelligent dog on like, their crew that is worth probably tens of millions of wulongs, but <laughs> they will never know because the uh, whole case where they met Ayn that information just slipped by them and yeah. they will probably never find out about it again. So I'm just a normal, it gets to live the life of a normal dog. And he like, hacks the computer once and they don't even really notice. They're just like, <laughs> oh, okay. I think Ed notices or was that before Ed had joined? Oh them? yeah. I think Ed notices. Cause that's Ed hangs out with Ayn all the time, mm-hmm. but they, you know, they don't really pay attention much to what Ed says. <laughs> no, because they don't understand it most no. of the time. What were you going to say, Chris? Uh, I can't remember now. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. I think it was something about... Uh, oh, there was a bit where I communicates with another animal. I think it's a, a horse or a camel or a cow oh, or something. Yeah. Get, there were subtitles. It's a mushroom samba. samba? Yeah. yeah. That was it's, so funny. He's like, thank you. And the cow says, no trouble. <laughs> just, just, just like like they exchange like three words or something but it's like you get the little subtitles and it's very funny the whole episode is very funny but. how would you describe the sense of humor in bebop because it's not as re- i would say it's like not as reliant as like typical points of like animal or, or anime trope humor mm-hmm. but it's it's very funny but like how would you guys like kind of describe the humor i huh it's that's an extremely good question because, like you said, it's outside of the realms of typical anime humor. At least it's not like that specific, like spe- like that stylized type of anime humor where like the characters get real chibi or like really over, you know, exacerbated expressions and, uh, you know, nobody's jokes. falling on a boob and getting into exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to make almost exactly the same reference there. It's like, oh no, I fell over. <laughs> But it's, um, I think it's more, like, I want to say, I want to use the phrase down to earth because, like, it, it's only so silly as I think real things can get. I mean, obviously, you still have a, a, a hyper-intelligent dog and a, a teenage child who is um, very out there. <laughs> but they're also very out there people in the real world. Um I'm not sure if anyone could come close to matching what we see in Ed, but I'm sure people like that. Like even what you, like we, you were saying earlier, like, uh, um, 
Ed's behavior would might have been partially inspired by uh, Yoko Kano. <laughs> like there was there was actual like real life influence in that behavior. So what? I'm just thinking that's maybe like the I don't know. I guess that's the the gut feeling I get, but I'm not sure if I'm correct. It's not like typically Japanese sort of humor, particularly either. I think no. like like the like the humor in um, uh, Cowboy. What's it called? That episode, the one with Andy. Uh, um, hold on, hold on. I got Cowboy the... Funk. Cowboy yeah, Funk. Cowboy of course, of course, it's called that. <laughs> <laughs> you just like the the kind of humor of like the um well Andy himself, but also like the teddy bomber that keeps getting interrupted every time he tries to say his um tries to say his manifesto, and the fact that no one will listen to him the whole time because they're they're just fighting each other. Uh, that yeah. sort of humor, I you know, wouldn't be out of place in like a, a western series it's just yeah it's just straight up like dialogue humor and and also like looney tunes acting. like that kind of reminds me of looney tunes in a way because sometimes the humor can get very absurdist like everything about cowboy andy is utterly bizarre and doesn't seem like it should exist or you know all the stuff in mushroom samba i mean part of it is because they're under the influence but it's also just like it just keeps pushing. <laughs> they just keep pushing into this bizarre extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously, like with the stray dog strut, it's like it's like um, caper, like yeah, yeah, chasing after characters and stuff like that. That's that's you know, it's, it's just sort of classic traditional humor. It's not, it's not um, anything to uh, like. People who are not anime fans will watch that and they'll find it funny. I think they won't go, "Oh, I don't get these weird jokes about not using the right forks." <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> or I about mistaken identity, or you know, or really or Japanese. poorly translated Japanese word puns. Mm. No. Um. Yeah. It's just like it's. It's universal humor, basically, as much as that's a thing. <laughs> no, I, I agree. It's it's very, it, it's it breaks down cultural barriers to a degree that it's just what's visually funny. Mm-hmm. Would Speaking you? Speaking of like, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, what was your take on it? You asked us, but I wondered what how you felt. Yeah, I mean, I think I I think I agree. Like, it's. It really, it does, it does seem like something that you would watch in a more, I guess, sophisticated comedy. Like there, there is, but it's also just, sometimes it's just weird. It, it is true. Like it, sometimes the comedy is weird, but it's positioned in a way where because the tone of the work is so defined when something strange happens, it's really strange. <laughs> um, and that's why I think it's immediately funny. Like when, as soon as Cowboy Andy walks out with that theme song, you're immediately like, what is happening? <laughs> like, like he's taking a horse down an escalator. Like what? Yeah. Like, like it, it's a lot of like taking advantage of like the world that they've built and then throwing ridiculous things at it and like asking you to accept this as well. And you being like, no, <laughs> don't accept this. Throwing a uh, Cowboy Andy size wrench into the whole proceedings. <laughs> Just love the uh, the whole intro of like oh well, everyone who's got a bounty on their head is afraid afraid of being caught by you and Andy is like 
Andy? <laughs> Who the hell's Andy? <laughs> I'm Andy. <laughs> Shows up on the horse. <laughs> and also just the fact he's called Andy is funny. So, yeah, this is a funny name. It's just, just, uh, just Andy works at the office. Such a stereotypical like cowboy name too. But like a little boy cowboy. Like Yeah. Like I think of like Andy from Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That Andy. <laughs> um, and- Andy Toy Story, Toy Story Andy's ancestor, some like long related ancestor or something. I don't know. <laughs> and another um, like humorous thing that is in every episode, or, or in, there are humorous things that like thread out even in the more serious episodes, like the um, the Big Shot show. And, oh yes. And I I didn't I don't know if I realised this before, but the characters are called Bun- Punch and Judy, and I wondered if that meant anything to you as Americans. Oh. Um... Punch and Judy. I I only know because I've looked this up in the past. It's like the, the those puppet things where it's yeah, like it, um, it's a oh okay Brit- British thing with um uh it's a like a a puppet show where the, there's this um uh the, there's a character called Punch and his wife's called Judy and it's a it's considered like a seaside thing like in the si- seaside towns and it goes back to like um like Victorian times or Edwardian times or something. And it's um, really very unsophisticated, like <laughs> slapstick humor. There's, um, there is, uh, there's like a policeman who hits people with his, with his truncheon. And it's not very uh, politically correct because Punch basically beats up his wife and he's like, no, that's not good anymore. And um, there's also a crocodile that steals someone's sausages. And that's oh pretty much all you need to know. And it's a very, very old-fashioned thing. And it's very <laughs> weird to see that I, referenced in Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, <laughs> I think my first, like, encounter with a Punch and Judy type thing was the Dexter's Lab Puppet Pals. Yes, <laughs> yes, same. Where he's like, hey, what do you call a... I don't know. And then he just... The whole thing is he just bonks the other guy on the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, the, that's the joke. Um, yeah, I guess it's just this very old classic... <laughs> humor <laughs> but I guy it. just bonks another person and and then the show gets cancelled and i didn't remember that you see the actor at the end out of yes, out of yes. um out of costume and just talking normally yeah it's <laughs> like mom and yeah have his accent or anything and Faye's like i'm sure i know that guy from somewhere <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember what episode was that. That was the we see them out of costume. That's like the in the final two episodes. I don't know. Yeah, if it's right. Okay, okay gotcha. Or, or hard luck woman. Rather. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's Hunter Tonk was where she was yeah. introduced. Mm-hmm. It, it's very fresh in my memory because I've literally finished watching it today. Oh in, wow! In big chunks on Netflix. And by the way, if you watch it on big chunks in Netflix, it skips the intro, which is not acceptable. No, no, never no. skip the opening ever. When the, the skipping trophy comes up, you're like, no, no. <laughs> what do you think I am? <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'll skip the real folk blues, mm. but because uh, I don't like that one as much. Mm-hmm. Definitely not Tank. You got to get to the next episode. It's a problem. You're like, eh. but then the then the next episode things are quite funny as well. That's another fun thing. Yeah, the the way that they dubbed over the or I, 
even in the Japanese where they had the characters like talk at the end of um, uh, Toys in the Attic where, <laughs> where Ed was like, and then they all died. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Ed. <laughs> No more Cowboy Bebop forever. <laughs> and that's that's another thing we have to talk about is is the English version because yes. I guess I guess we all watched it in the English version because it's one of the rare ones where most people accept that it kind of makes more sense a bit feels like in English. It's just a really good one of the really good early dubs, you know, or early-ish. Yeah, um, that along with. Um... Yu Haka Show still stands like one of my favorite like early uh, English dubs of any anime I've ever seen, and um, definitely like I, I love how we were talking about um, Yoko Kano earlier, and she was talking about Japanese Spike is nice, <laughs> English Spike is sexy, and I'm like, you hear that, Steve Bloom? <laughs> I mean, it is because like there was I was watching uh, the special features on the D- the the movie. DVD and there were some bits with in the Jap- original Japanese with Spike and I was like, oh wow, this is like a completely different character in the Japanese. In Japanese, Spike is kind of like he has this vaguely he has he's this more like put upon like tired vaguely professor professorial kind of sound to him where he just kind of sounds like a guy who's just really tired all the time. Yeah, like he really wants he really wanted to get that extra like hour in bed. Yeah, pretty that's what he sounds like. Where but then Steve Bloom plays him like every Hollywood golden age Hollywood movie star all rolled into one. Mm-hmm. You know, where he's he's just this smooth, cool guy. Like he makes him so cool. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean Spike is cool regardless, but he makes him extra cool. <laughs> Extra layer of chocolate sauce on top of the already delicious cake. Yeah, it's very, very smooth, very velvety. Um, <laughs> whereas, like, but then, you know, then you have, like, Ed's voice actress in English, who's just so delightful. Um, what's her name? Oh, gosh, I knew this at one point. Oh, crap, hold on, hold on. Uh, emergency looking up cast list. I got it. Uh, it's uh, Melissa Fawn. Melissa Fawn. Okay, there it is. I remember it was. I was quite when I was like first watching. I guess maybe it was um special features on the DVD of the movie when I first got it like years ago. I remember being quite taken aback by how she looked, thinking that's not what I was expecting from Ed's actress. (laughs) (laughs) She just looks like a nice lady, (laughs) but then she sounds like like you. You really do kind of have to close your eyes when she talks to really feel the character because when it, you see this actress performing ed it just it looks kind of normal but then it, it doesn't completely come together until you have it coming out of ed's mouth you know mm-hmm. it's a combination of the vocal performance plus the the character design definitely um but yeah like the the sub like i've never seen the sub all the way through i feel like i should same because i have it and like i've seen it so many times like why not like have that comparison um and see if it's if any make if there are certain scenes that read differently or maybe there's something i missed in translation that i never knew because i've never bothered to watch it <laughs> but i don't know it's just the 
I like, I even, I love like the old microphones they recorded it on, you know, where it's kind of gritty sounding and it just yeah. matches everything so well. I love, um, Bo, uh, Bo Billingsley who plays Jet. Like he's just, yeah, hates that character to a different place. Like, I don't even know if Jet's supposed to be black, but like, I can't not imagine him as exactly. black because yeah. of Bo's performance. It's like when when there's been like talking about oh who would be cast in a act, live action film you're like well Jet has to be black obviously and it's like well is he in the in the thing I don't know but he he just is because of the voice and the character just seems to fit it as well I think just... I know like I had a friend who's like is Jet black like I mean his his name is Jet Black but like is he black and I was like I think so like I don't think he is because there's black characters in it. I mean, yes. he could be light skin. It's really yeah. hard to tell because he's got this. Sometimes his skin is almost greenish looking, depending on the lighting. He's got one of this very odd, very odd skin tone for sure. Or it's a very like a very anime kind of skin tone where it's it's approaching a real world skin tone, but there's something has some weird undertones going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he actually supposed is supposed to be. But yeah. I don't care. Like that's just or like He's how jet. or like how Spike is supposed supposedly isn't supposed to be Jewish. Like I don't buy that. Like at all. Like I know Watanabe said that. Like oh no, he's based on this um, you know, Japanese uh, uh, action star with who had a perm at some point. And I was like, nah, <laughs> I don't buy it. His name is Spiegel. <laughs> you gave him a very fluffy hair like no that's not a perm <laughs> yeah, well, that's one of the interesting things about when because obviously there was discussion for a long time about oh uh, is about there being a a hollywood adaptation and at least that's a series that the characters aren't actually supposed to necessarily be japanese so you wouldn't have that issue not that it should happen necessarily but i'm just saying yeah, I mean, so I mean, we know that Faye is from Singapore. Oh, but that just says she's Romani. Yeah, that's what she said. But then uh, when okay. you saw her home video, like with the the lion fountains, like that's Singapore. Oh, okay. <laughs> so like, yeah. it's like oh, okay, so that's where she's actually from. Like she said, she said she was Romani because she didn't know where she, she was making it up. Remember, like <laughs> she didn't know who she was, and then we. So she's the only one where we actually know where she's from, but. That's the thing. The, the world of Bebop is so diverse mm-hmm. because when the asteroid or, or when the, the thing happened with the Earth gate and then the, the, the Earth just became this horrible place to live, it was like all of the world's population just kind of dumped itself into Mars, like just <laughs> immediately. Um, like there's that shot in um, the movie where it's just the sign and there's like 27 different languages yeah. on this sign. Um, because like the whole world population just was thrown out into space all at once and kind of mixed and matched. So there are like black characters, which you don't see in anime almost ever. They're, they're Mm -hmm. kind of mixed looking characters. There are decidedly Asian characters. There are more Caucasian characters. There's just like a lot of diversity of people, which you don't see in anime. Like, pretty much ever like I, I honestly don't know anything else that ever did that where they made a point to be like oh no look there's all these different kinds of people 
Um, there is, there has been a show that I've watched re- relatively recently called uh, Banana Fish on Amazon that has oh, made yeah. an made an attempt for sure. I'm not U- sure how. Isn't it set in the U.S. though? <laughs> it is. It is set in New York, mostly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with the the manga of that. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is a very like a save something like that and this. That's very like we consider like the wide variety of anime you'll see in like say if you just like click on a show at random. More often than not, you're gonna find a as uh, Chris was describing earlier, a high school drama or comedy where they're all Japanese teenagers. But yeah, a lot of people are trying to say, oh, the characters are all white. No, no, they're not. No, they're all Asian. <laughs> no, they're Japanese. They're, they're Japanese. They're in Japanese high school. Like, why would they? <laughs> yeah, why, 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 why do they, they look white? Like, white people have pink hair and uh, giant <laughs> eyes with... White people eyeballs. don't have noses. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Uh, how many people have you seen that look like that, of any ethnicity? No, it, it, just, it just plays with this interesting phenomenon where... If a character looks human but not very specific, you just assume they're what you are. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Unless there's a very obvious like sign that's not the case, which anime but- can sometimes do in a horrible way. Mm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. They make bad mistakes. Um, uh, there, there are more cats in it than I remember. Didn't know that. yeah there's i like i appreciated that in the first episode they took the time out to show you that the cat in the bar that gets shot up is okay okay good (laughs) yeah okay i remember that yes okay there's that there's the bar cat and then then you see the cat um licking up some spilt drink and then (laughs) then you see the cat again later i think uh that the um the truck has got a cat called zero mm-hmm. oh yeah and the heavy I think, metal queen yeah i think there's at least two or three other cats around the galaxy and i appreciated that just, <laughs> just to balance it out i love iron and everything but you know just in the interest of balance i thought i'd uh, point that out <laughs> you need as many cats as you need dogs yeah <laughs> no well I mean, it's the layer of reality there are always going to be stray cats or just cats hanging around places so yeah, I mean, there's a whole episode called Stray Cat Stride. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even that, like, this, I, I, I'm trying to think of, like, other anime where there's, like, a dog. And there there are some. Like, I know, like, there, uh, Winry has a dog in yes. Metal Alchemist. Um, um, so does someone else. And, but and we so won't talk about that. No, not that one. Uh, <laughs> Hawkeye also has a dog. They have that little mm-hmm. dog. Oh, um, uh... Black Black Hayate. Yeah, Black Hayate. But even just like having a like a, a realistically drawn animal hanging around is is also ba- doesn't always Bato's happen. Dog. I guess. Well, every, everything with Mar- that Mamoru Oshii does has a bloodhound in it, almost. Or basset <laughs> hound. Basset hound. That's it. Yeah. And there's all these cats running around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, nice it's, it's a it's a really lived in universe. That's the thing. There's all that detail and everything, and also. I love the fact that it's it's got this real. If you, just, if you look at it now, it's just got this. You can just tell it's like cell animation. It's like, mm-hmm. but, I mean, digital stuff look can look great now, but there was a bit in between where when they were first 
adjusting where if you go back to it it looks a bit well looks shonky but um, yeah but if you look at this it just it looks so great still uh, the only thing like you notice is oh it's like a widescreen and oh there's some cg that maybe doesn't look that new but otherwise it hasn't yeah, dated it, badly it's pretty rare the cg Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which is probably smart of them to do. Um, I like the fact that even most of the text is clearly handwritten. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's got a real charm to me. I think when you can see, oh look, someone's written that with their hands. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of text because there's a lot of signs, papers, and yeah. And there's a real timeless quality to it too. Like I think it was what you were pointing out with the detail and the kind of like lived in feel that this, uh, the world and universe of Cowboy Bebop has, even though you can tell it's the future or supposed to be like a version of like this, you know, future technology where we can travel through space and have these giant spacefaring vessels. And there could be, you know, people can travel between different planets. It's still like, you can't, let me just say, it's, it's got a timeless quality in terms of the fact that you can't just point to like, oh, that definitely came out in the 90s or that definitely came out in whatever and have it be dated. It's not, there's nothing dated about Cowboy Bebop. Like, you can't just, I was like, I'm trying to think, of like, you can't pin it to one point of time or the other, I think, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like, it's not like, you know, you know, like, going back to watch, I don't know, Death Note or something and being like, oh, boy, this was very 2004. Yes. Whereas this was like, this was made in 98. And there definitely has hallmarks of being made in the late 90s. But because it creates its own world with its own rules, it, it in, instead of feeling dated, it just feels like of it, it's of its own place. Or like, mm-hmm. kind of like Star Wars, you know, where it's like... yeah. This, it's its own world. It's its own aesthetic. Like it's very influenced by the seventies, but it also just kind of feels like its own thing. So when you watch it, you're just like, Oh, okay. This just kind of exists forever suspended in this own time that it created for itself. Supposedly when they were first creating it, um, it was initially going to be produced with uh, band one, um, side of Bandai that produced models and stuff as sponsors. So they said, do whatever you want as long as it's got a spaceships in it. So <laughs> he, he was given this amazing amount of freedom. And I think then he, you know, showed them what they'd got and they're like, well, we're not really going to be able to sell lots of children's toys on this because it's a, <laughs> like a mature show. So right. then they, so it ended up a different company produced it but that was kind of the genesis of it it was like yeah just do whatever you want just have spaceships in it and it's like yeah it's I got like spaceships. All spaceships though i like how they're all nautical themed yeah like, uh, spice is the swordfish jets is the hammerhead i don't remember what phase is but, yeah, but it looks kind of like a submarine doesn't it yeah it's also like a fish <laughs> like they're all fish and they're like like I like how Jets is like obviously it was not meant to be like a, a cool ship. It was like a functional ship that, or even like you know the Bebop was it was a like a shipping. It was like for fishing. <laughs> yeah, it, I love how each like de- because the like I said Jet has his own ship, Faye has her own ship, and Spike has their own ship. You can tell like some of the personalities of the pilots in the ships themselves. Yeah, and there's some really fun dogfights. 
Um, oh yeah. Like, especially in, um, what was it? The, uh, gosh, um, I had the episode up just a second ago. Da, 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 where was it? I think it was the gateway shuffle. Yeah. That gateway shuffle had a fantastic aerial combat. Because isn't there an episode where we go to, like, where Spike goes to, like, whoever made his ship? There is. I think that is. Da, 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 da. Not mushrooms. Yeah, not mushrooms. Song about wild. That's wild horses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because that, that one was kind of cool because there's an idea where it was, like, his ship was like a horse, you know, or, like, you have to take care of her or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a, they, they featured a, um, a classic, uh, nasa shuttle in that episode too oh that's right and then they actually got it in the air for the climax that was so cool it was very nice i I really enjoyed that episode and i think that was not i it was funny because there were certain other episodes that really stuck out to me first and i kind of maybe pass over that uh pass over that one for whatever reason but then i went back to watch i'm like oh this is actually really cool why did i pass over this Yeah, I can't believe I forgot about that. That was even, so fun. Even though they're kind of like boats, they're also kind of just like they're like clapped out old cars. They just they feel like real vehicles, like that you can imagine. You know, you can understand what it's like to be inside. Mm-hmm. They feel like, and I love like the atmosphere on the Bebop itself. It's like a great location. Yeah, like it's it's not like shiny and polished and cool and chrome and like all these ships are very like they feel like they were like you know repurposed or built with like two different things kind of smushed together to kind of make a ship or all the levers and all the the fact that they like shake a lot when they're piloting them you know Mm -hmm. it's like leaky pipe sci-fi rather than shiny Star Trek sci-fi. Yeah, and I actually just realized why um, Wild Horses didn't really jump out to uh, to all of us, or at least most to some of us, because it is smushed right between Speak Like a Child and Para Le Fou. Oh, yeah. That's why, because you had the gut punch of Speak Like a Child that you're still coming off of, and then you get the the creep factor from Para Le Fou, and I'm like, oh, of course, like... As cool as as cool as the spaceships are, and that as cool as that episode was, it's like when you have those two things like juxtaposition, like in front of and behind, it's just like it kind of makes sense why certain other things might stand out in your mind more. I mean, that's why I think like I think it's cool the way that you watched it, Rachel, where you said you could just kind of like watch like one episode here or there, like the when you said you watched it the first time, because mm-hmm. that's kind of like I feel how the show was meant to be presented. Like it really is a show that's meant to be shown like one episode at a time, you know on you know the the way that it was aired on tv whether in japan or or wherever else like it it i feel like marathoning it sometimes takes a little bit away from that like even when i was re-watching it the most recent time i could just have watched the whole thing i had the time i didn't have anything to do but i was like no i'm gonna keep it to like two episodes a night at most just mm-hmm. to kind of like let them be what they are um so you don't have that smushing effect where, where something can get lost in between um because i feel like so many of these episodes are made to be complete little morsels mm-hmm. onto themselves you know yeah it was, exactly it was fun to watch it in big chunks though like i did because it took me back to the way i, what I probably would have watched it originally because it was back in the day when you got got like a dvd with five episodes on it <laughs> oh i see so I was like, 
yeah, just watch it all. <laughs> I mean, that's also fun too because, like, some especially well, if it's a two-parter, like you got to watch both of them at once because it's basically the same episode, just yeah, really long. And there's um, a couple of them at least. <laughs> yeah, the, all that plot-heavy ones are two-parters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, and basically, I like the idea, um, at least thematically. Typically, when we have those two, you know, those two parters, or at least when the feels like the plot is moving, it's always when um, either Julia or um, Vicious is involved, because yeah. that kind of that kind of leads into the whole idea that that Spike is just in this static state and he's just you know going through uh, you know bounty after bounty, but it's only when he his his past comes knocking that things start moving forward again. Same, and it's also that way for for jet as well for his his own arc like when he has to go back to ganymede mm-hmm. when um he ends up meeting up with his old partner he was a cop and having to go through that again like it's always this the more heavier ones are like the it's when they're past like they can't avoid it like mm-hmm. i mean with Faye, like literally that package just shows up on their door and they have to deal with it Mm-hmm. You know, like she would rather not have to wonder about it, but then it's like, nope, here's a package for Faye. It's super expensive. Let's try to figure out how to make it play or... And then make her pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> or... was Jet's reasoning. I'm trying to remember that episode where we finally did learn her past. Um, well, I think you hint at it with, um, what was it called again? Well, the, we're like the one where we go back and we see like, oh, you know, she was frozen and then what happened where well, she like told her what she remembers about herself which is that she was frozen and she woke up she didn't know what was going on mm-hmm. she was taken advantage of oh yeah because those people like showed up again they did yeah so yes yeah. she ran into the guy who originally was there when she first woke up mm-hmm. and uh he kind of gave her the situation like yeah you were frozen um you're now in the future and she's like wait what yeah, and then there's that scene where she's like, that's a microwave, that's a dishwasher, that's a cell phone, or a phone, or whatever, and he's like, this is a, yeah, and the, each machine is like a completely different thing than what she thinks it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's My Funny Valentine is the name of that episode. Okay, yeah. But yeah, like any episode, whether it's Spike, or Faye, or Jet, or even Ein, it only, we only learn about them because their past literally is on a, like, they it just shows up and mm-hmm. they have to deal with it. Cause if it was up to them, they never would. Mm-hmm. They just keep going and going and just doing what they do. Yeah. But it, no yeah. matter what the past will come a knocking. Yep. On heaven's door. <laughs> <laughs> Which is of course the title of the movie originally. Yes, it is. Stop remembering The days are just like moments Turned to hours Mother used to say If you want you'll find a way But mother never danced to
do we want to like before we start maybe wrapping things up did we want to talk about the, the ending or is or you really think is there anything that is left to be said because I, I think we've even without really discussing this you know the spoilers of how the whole thing finishes I think we've kind of actually really like talked about of you know everything in a great deal in terms of what this show is really about and why it's so good when it ends yeah. but or does it it's kind of it's, or do they it's, it's no, kind you, gotta, of, you gotta carry it it's kind of left with a Wait. maybe <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember where I heard it before of like you know there are certain things like in terms of a like concrete ending for certain characters but um part of me like I, I you know the like supposedly from you know word of God or you know word of the creator himself saying you know how things were supposed to be intended but even after hearing that I'm like no no it's not <laughs> it's not true it's not true well I'm pretty sure the ending has is still pretty vague like yeah I don't think Watanabe ever came out and said exactly what happened he supposedly put the ending in so he doesn't get stuck in doing it for his whole life but at the same yeah. time you could also you could very easily go back on that or you know you could change you could say it might look like this way but it actually it's it's not without without cheating too much basically yeah yeah agreed because um go ahead if you feel like there's always a chance that there might be some more at some point um but i think if it did happen it would probably be kind of like with fully coolie and it might be like adult swim funding it or something because it's always been this biggest biggest bigger thing in the west than it is in japan and it's supposed it's isn't it still you said earlier it's still on adult swim now or tsunami so Mm -hmm. Because it's it's still a classic and still people highly you know if, if they weren't highly. if it wasn't on Adult Swim people would riot yeah <laughs> yes. like, how dare you put I don't know third season of JoJo instead of uh, Cowboy Bebop <laughs> we've been airing this same show for the last I don't know less a little less than twenty years since like two thousand one <laughs> yeah. God forbid we take it off the air at any point. <laughs> There was a there was a very short lived anime channel in the UK called Anime Central, and uh, it showed Cowboy Bebop. And it, it actually, when it got to the end of everything, it just looped. It, that's probably why it didn't last very long. Aww. You just got you just got like an episode of Cowboy Bebop every night, an episode I think of Gundam Wing or something. Gundam Wing, oh man, that's a trip. Which had to rob in Ghost of the Shell standalone complex. <laughs> It was like all the Bandai Europe titles, basically. Okay. Pretty um, good lineup, though. Yeah. And it's been on in the UK recently because Vice Land, the Vice TV channel, sh- shows anime for some reason in the UK, <laughs> and they've showed um, they've shown stuff like Tokyo Ghoul and uh, <laughs> uh, and now they're showing uh, they've shown Cowboy Bebop recently, like this year. So. Well, yeah, that that would make sense. Because it's, it's 20 years old this year. It's, and it's on Netflix in the UK as well. And it's on, I guess, on Funimation in the US. And, yep. And Crunchyroll, but subtitled. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think I personally, even though I, I love the dub to death, I would very much, and I realize that I have not had a chance to watch the episodes in Japanese, and I do really want to kind of go back and now watch them in Japanese just to kind of get, this is like, you, like you were saying earlier, Nina, like see if there was context or different line deliveries or something that might, you know, lead to a different realization. Like, oh, I didn't realize this at first. Yeah, like... Yeah, exactly. But I just can't muster up desire to sit down and watch it all in Japanese. I'm just like, man. Well, not not right now, but it's like I in know. your own. In, like we've like we've said throughout this entire episode, in your own good time. It's, yeah, I have a feeling Cowboy Bebop, no matter what happens, is gonna be there for going to be here for a long time because people are gonna keep talking about it and keep watching it because it's such a timeless. It's such a timeless classic. Yeah, and, like, I can imagine, like, for, like, younger anime fans who aren't as familiar, like, watching it for the first time, like, I'll wonder what they'll think, because it is very different from maybe stuff that they grew up with. Mm -hmm. Definitely very different from from the sort of stuff you see now in anime. It's very different from the stuff you see now. Um, But it's got the prestige for a reason. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. think it's overrated. No. Uh, I had a friend who insisted it was, and he just, he was the only person I've ever met who didn't like the show even a little bit, like even passingly. And I was like, I don't know why I'm friends with you. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, like I think there's something there that I think anybody could grab onto. Maybe not all of the show, but maybe parts of it. Um, It's just a good experience to have. Overrated is an annoying thing for people to say because it's just like, other people don't agree with me. <laughs> Why don't they agree with me? My I'm, I'm going against the majority just to be cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or it's just like, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you honestly don't enjoy it, you know, you have it fully within your right to not enjoy it, but then you You're wrong. hence you hence do not have you do not equally have the right to say everyone else is wrong for liking it. Right. I, I have heard some people like watch the movie without having seen the, the series, and they're like, "That Ed character is annoying," and they're like, "What? what? Like, excuse How dare you? you? Excuse you? There is a subset of Bebop fans who hate Ed, and I'm like, "What is wrong with you?" But she's the heart of the show. I know. Mine are like the beating heart of. Well, for, like, I guess for Bebop. them, like, she's too goofy, and she, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, God. Like, I, come, you don't I, like laughing? I can see, like, you know, there are shows where, like, oh, we're going to introduce the kid now, and it's like, oh. But that only only true if the character is not good. And Ed is great, so there you go. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't get Ed and I as, as a package without Ed, so, hey. <laughs> I think Ed and, Ed and I needed more, needed an, at least another standalone episode, if, in my opinion, other than, it, it, yet, hell, okay, I think we just found our, um, if we were going to try and do any sort of continuation to yeah, Bebop, honestly, it would have to yeah. be an Ed and Ayn spinoff. Like, I need to know what happened, to, like, that's why that episode makes you cry, because it's just like, that's it, I'm never going to see these characters again, I'm never going to know what's going to happen to them, they're just gone, they're just gone. it can't be happening you know and it's because they were like the innocent heart of the show Mm. you know it's not like 
Spike or Chad or Faye, who are either these hardened adults. Like, she's just a kid. And I don't know what her life is going to be. I have no clue. At least I mean, she was... the end. <laughs> yeah. At the, at the very least, you get the sense that Ed and Ayn will be okay because they've survived everything else that's happened up until now. And Ed was living on her own on Earth beforehand. Yeah. So, and she was able to survive. So you know that they'll be okay. But you still kind of like, because we've enjoyed their unique adventures throughout the show and they're just really unique, unique way of the way they behave. Like you kind of like, yeah, I would, I would like to go and see more adventures with Ed and Ayn and this wacky, crazy, you know, built universe that we've made through these these 24 episodes even if it was just like a mini series you know and maybe yeah. just like five like like a six episode little series where it's just like hey here's a little older ed and slightly like, older ed slightly older ed here's what she's up to what would um, she look like would her like would she have grown her hair out would she keep it the same would she be taller i, I imagine her very tall Person. Going through a real growth spurt. I figure, like, I just picture her all legs. <laughs> I think still pretty thin. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't imagine her being like a busty whatever. No, no, anything. I thought absolutely that would, not. That would make me angry, actually. Yeah, yeah no. Furious. <laughs> Either that I mean, or a cowboy Andy spinoff. <laughs> there he is. Well, no, he's, he's a samurai now, though. No, he's a samurai now. Like, what if it's just like Ed wandering around and like she meets up with some of like these incidental, like one off characters who weren't like very serious, just like or important to the story? Just impor- like those old, well, I guess those old men would probably not be around anymore. Aw, darn, <laughs> they were funny, <laughs> they were, they were a lot, <laughs> they were always there, and they were even in the movie, they, they were got, even in the they movie, they were important in the movie, yes, they were. Good on those guys. <laughs> They got ascended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this series. It's, as you can tell, we love it to death, and we most likely always will. Um, I really don't think there's any, any any other real big things to talk about unless anyone else has some burning things that they want to discuss. So uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> Did you know there was a, there was an old PlayStation 2 game about it? No. I heard about this. We never got it. Did it not come out in English? No, I, I had no idea. Reading this about it, it was like flying around in the swordfish, basically. I think. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Well, I, would, I would play a. There was would... two games I'm seeing here. There was Cowboy Bebop, the PlayStation game. Okay. Yeah, it was never released outside of Japan, and then of there course. was Cowboy Bebop, uh, suit, suit. Yoku no Serenade, which hmm. released for PlayStation 2, which was an action beat-em-up. Mm, uh, that would make sense. Which was also only released in Japan. I yeah. only saw one with the swordfish in it, I think. But... Yeah, I think the first one was where you got to, like, fly in the ship. and. That makes sense. Like like a flight, a flight game or, a, a, like, a... Star Fox, kind of. Yeah. Like, yeah I so... guess that kind of makes sense a little bit. It was probably just in a... a um... Uh, an old magazine I saw it because I didn't actually play it um, <laughs> and there is um, there, there was a suggestion that there was a, a live action TV series in development oh a western made one um, 
Same company are also got the rights to do One Piece. I oh don't, my goodness. I'm not sure if either of them will ever happen. Probably not. And that's probably for the best. But that's just, that's just a little tidbit there. Yeah, like Cowboy Bebop live action, like a Western, like Hollywood live action. It's been in development hell for like a long time. Oh, yeah. Like the Akira, the, the Akira movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't think it's going to happen. Especially not I, after the Ghost in the Shell movie doing so poorly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah though and, though well, I did, wasn't there an announcement this past week that they're going to make a My Hero Academia movie? Oh, yeah. Like, like a live company. action My Hero Academia? Yes. Oh, boy. It's the same team that acquired the Detective Pikachu rights. <laughs> oh, my movie. God. <laughs> so I'm like, I guess what? they're still trying it. <laughs> They don't want to oh. give it up. <laughs> you know, I saw the actual My Hero Academia movie, thank you, and I enjoyed that just fine. I'll just take that, thanks. No. Like, I don't know why that's the trend in Hollywood right now. Like, all these, let's adapt, let's adapt animated movies for live action. I'm like, why? It's so boring. Because Marvel have got all the Marvel stuff. Warner Brothers have got all the DC stuff. We're like, where's nothing left? We need to get something. There's nothing left to adapt. (laughs) And we're running out of classic literature to adapt, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. But yeah, I don't don't think that's going to happen. No, I would would prefer it not happen, personally. If, like I said, if we were going to have any other new media come out of anything Cowboy Bebop related, I would either like to see a new video game that actually honors the source material, at least visually, like actually have some real effort put into it, like mm-hmm. set during the actual like show, kind of like the movie was, or a post-series, uh, like short, like mini-series spinoff of Ed and Ayn's adventures. Or a manga of that. Or a manga. Or a manga, yeah. That would I'd probably be, of, of those things, what would be more likely to happen would have that be a manga. Or they yeah. could always... They could always do another movie, just set somewhere else. Like, this is between episode 13 and 14. (laughs) I feel like if Watanabe was going to go back to do a movie, he would do, like, a Space Dandy movie first, probably. Most likely. It's in the same universe, possibly. It's got Wulongs in it. This is true. It's true. The hyper future. It's very different. (laughs) Hey, mate, mate. Maybe Samurai Champloo is in the same universe as well. It's, Maybe. Wouldn't that it's, be wild? That's it. That's in the feudal period. And then the 20, 2070s is Cowboy Bebop. And then the far distant future is Space Dandy. Yep, that's how it all fits. The Watanabe-verse. Watanabe-verse. It needs a real name. Mm. Mm. The Bebop-verse. No. <laughs> no. The Verso Bebop. <laughs> Like a, like a, like a Cornetto trilogy type yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's kind of what it is. Where they're 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 not really sequels at all to each no. other, but they're very much. They're not. It's not like Watanabe's other shows, which are very separate, like you know, Terror of Resonance or Kids on the Slope or mm-hmm. whatever, which don't fit in at all. Like these these three shows are very related. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I need to. I need to. I need to do a rewatch of them. Um, uh, yeah, Samurai Champloo now. Yeah, no, especially which since I never finished. 
You never, oh my God. Oh, you're going to Chris. So good. It's so I good. know, I've got the box set. I don't, I, I don't know. Those last two, two to three episodes are like some of my all-time favorites in the entire show. Like, damn. Yeah, it, the ending is very good. I remember, I, I only finished Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex season two this year. It's because it's like when I finish watching these things, there isn't any more. <laughs> I know. It's like I it know. means I have to stop watching. Yeah, the ending of, of, of Samurai Shampoo makes me sad too. Yeah. <laughs> like that ending song, I'm like, eh, that's it's over. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep traveling together, please. You guys are wonderful. Um, and even though you won't say it, we all know you all love each other and want to stay together. I know. Why can't you guys just be a family? <laughs> Why is that so hard? <laughs> and that's what fan fiction's for. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've we've closed out this episode pretty soundly, but it was a wonderful, wonderful chat. Thank you guys for joining me today. And I also want to make sure to put a shout out to Dan, who really wanted to be here to talk about this show with us. And he's no, I know he's with us in spirit, but he had, he's very busy with uh, his current job. And we just wanted to give a quick shout out to you, Dan. Good luck with, good luck with everything, buddy. Um, so if you really enjoyed this episode and want to enjoy other episodes that we've done and pre, uh, previously you'll, just, just scroll down through the podcast list on our website, animationforadults.com, and you'll see there are many, many episodes that we have recorded, some featuring specific topics, others being more of a mishmash of a bunch of different stuff like latest animation news, and also a bunch of uh, different little tidbits of stuff we've been, uh, newer stuff or older stuff we've watched recently. Um, if you want to just also check out some of our reviews also, um, they're also on the website. If you want to, and you can follow us, our podcast on, let me make sure I have the list here in my head uh itunes podcast.com and stitcher if i believe i believe that's all of those or if you want to follow us on social media we are on facebook twitter pinterest tumblr and instagram um and if you want to support the uh support the podcast and other new projects we have coming through for animation for adults please definitely uh go down in the, on your page and view the Patreon link there and support the show or our coffee link to support and guess a bias a virtual cup of coffee. Chris, where can we find you on social media? You can find me wandering the galaxy in my <laughs> trusty spaceship or at Twitter at Mr. Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> Nina, how about you? Uh, you can find me um at uh, sorry you can find me on twitter at ninny and ichi okay and you can also find me primarily on twitter um i'm just trying to run away from some very large debt that i've accumulated but i will be mostly on twitter <laughs> <laughs> they they put me in frozen sleep for who knows how many thousands of years it's not my fault <laughs> Um, and also, I also want to give a shout out to the lovely folks at Animation Nights New York. Um, we will leave a link to their uh, website in the show notes because they have monthly screenings of these amazing animated shorts, which are definitely worth supporting. Um, these, these screening events are also free, so please um, check out the website and see when the next screening is going to be taking place. These all take place in New York City. Um, I believe uh, it's still at Maiden Lane. I know. It's at, um, we're at the, the Gutter Bar in Williamsburg. 
Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So obviously the new uh, location for the screenings will be on the website too. Yes. It's on the website. We always have the screening on the third uh, Wednesday, no third Tuesday. Okay. Gotcha. And if you are a, uh, someone who has created an animation, an animated short, you know, no matter where you're listening to this, no matter what country you're from, if you would like to submit your short film, to Animation Nice New York, there is also a link to Film Freeway for you to submit your short for consideration for these screenings. So yeah. please, if you want to share your creation with the world, by all means do so. Yeah, it's a free submission, and we take submissions on a rolling basis, so you got nothing to lose. Exactly. All right, well, thank you again, everyone, for tuning in for this special episode of the AFA podcast. We will see you on the next episode. See you later, Space Cowboy and Cowgirls. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> I close my eyes and I keep seeing things. Rainbow waterfalls, sunny customer support, there are some things you don't want teams to hear. Intercom's streamlined support platform clears up space for more organized workflows and peace of mind. Our business messenger uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Who doesn't like the sound of that? Intercom. Less of this. And more of this. To learn more, go to intercom.com support. University of Maryland Global Campus was established to bring a respected state university education to working adults at home and abroad. Seventy years ago, we sent professors overseas to educate service members and their families on military installations and on the front lines. Today, we're online because that's where working adults need us. That's where you need us. We'll support your commitment to being a successful student with services that fit your lifestyle. And we offer more than 90 programs and specializations for where you are and where you want to be. University of Maryland University College is now University of Maryland Global Campus. We go the distance because times have changed, but what we're made for hasn't. UMGC offers online support for veterans, including resources at the Veterans Resource Center, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, virtual advising, transfer credits, and lifetime career services. Speak to our dedicated military and veterans advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV.